Hi, I'm James. And I'm Cairo. And we're bringing you Who Cares Wins, the podcast all about caring. Sharing some of the amazing stories and light-hearted aspects of the role, but not shying away from some of the more difficult aspects. And doing it with a smile on our face. And if you find those stories helpful, please do subscribe and rate them highly on your podcast provider, because it makes a real difference to getting these stories to those people who are sometimes really struggling. Right, James, let's get on with the show. Okay, well, welcome to Series 2, Cairo. This is very exciting. Thanks. Well, I mean, are we calling it Series 2? Yeah, I think so. Series 2 makes it sound like we've... uh, Well, I tell you what, there are two big changes to this series. One is that we have our fancy-smancy new recording studio, which means that uh, we have much better sound quality for uh, the interviews. So hurrah for that. Uh, And we're, (laughs) we're also... We're also doing uh, these bits remotely, which is um, a new thing. Bringing a, uh, an international vibe to the whole process. Absolutely. Absolutely. So where are you, Cairo? I am currently um, in Dubai. And more precisely, I'm currently sitting under my table, which is draped <laughs> in my duvet to create <laughs> an almost professional sound recording studio. It's sounding great at this end, so uh, it's good news. I've had to turn off the air conditioning because it makes quite a loud racket. So um, I think I'm going to slowly melt over the course of this interview. But it's worth it, James. It's worth it for the podcast. It it is a price worth paying for a high-quality Who Cares Wins uh, episode. Yeah, I hope you're appreciating it, listeners. (laughs) I'm sure my mother will appreciate it very significantly. Okay, James, well, let's get on with it. Who, who are we speaking to this week? Well, the first guest in our fancy new recording studio, thanks, by the way, to Local Globe and uh, the guys at Phoenix Court who've made that available to us. Our first guest was Emma, and Emma is the author of the blog Morden Mum. Great blog. Uh, so uh, she tells her story about looking after her mother-in-law, um, and we had a great little giggle, um, and here's the conversation. Marge, having been widowed some years before, which was very sad, she'd lived on her own, been very independent. She had marvellous neighbours that helped her. But just slowly, you know, over time, over some years, her daughter particularly, because she lived a little bit close to her daughter, noticed that she was just behaving a little bit out of character. So, for example, I think a memory that sticks out is finding some mouldy corned beef in the fridge, which is something she knew her mother would never have tolerated before. So that was hmm, one red flag. And then, sad to say, Marge started turning turtle on a pavement. Her neighbours would find her on her back, no real idea of how she got there, and a bit confused and would walk her home. And that was all clearly very worrying. Uh, Either her daughter would shoot up or or would shoot up. By shoot up, you mean go and see her rather than injecting heroin into your... Oh, my God. (laughs) Thanks for clarifying. (laughs) Just to be that clear, make us terrible kids. <laughs> this is not the kind of family we might be thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back. I think one time when she was actually sleeping on her daughter's sofa, I think she had a TIA, a very small stroke, and she went mm-hmm. into hospital. Over the years, she came to have more, and that just I think led to some vascular dementia mixed with Alzheimer's, which you know wasn't diagnosed as she moved down with us. But she was just starting to. I hate the word frail. I really do. I think it's. I yeah. don't know. I did, don't like the term. But she was becoming more frail, and she really didn't want to move 
she wanted to stay in a house really, really badly. Um, and so, you know, her daughter and her son talked to her about, look, what would you like to do? Would you like to go in um, warden accommodation? Want some help at home? Do you want to live with one of us? But for a long time, she resisted the conversation and wouldn't have it, even though she was getting more frail. It took about 18 months for her to decide. And we learned, it's one thing I write about in the blog, that it was only when giving her options so that she felt able to make a choice did sure. she choose. Then she, she said, yeah, I'll, I'll come and live with you. Yeah, interesting. So, so, she had, so you gave her the kind of <laughs> yeah, the agency there. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's a really big learning. And it's important, it's important now as it yeah. was then. You know, even if it's small things like, do you want tea or coffee? Do you want to go to mm-hmm. now or later? You know, it's, those are better than a yes, no answer. Yeah, I've learned that's sure. very important in caring. And, and so her, her coming to move with you, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, that's a big step for her, but mm. it's a big step for your family as well. Yeah. I have to say, it didn't feel like a decision. I, it doesn't mean to say I was re- railroaded. It just felt like, yeah, of course, you know, if that's what she wants to do. That's fine. So she decided to come live with us. So she sold her place. And with the proceeds she built on the side of our house. But while, while she, we were building, she lived in our spare room. And that was challenging. You know, suddenly bringing a new adult who has got, you know, like I will, like you will have very set way. This is how I live. This is the TV I want to watch. This is how <laughs> what I eat, you know, all this kind of stuff. So that was tricky. But again, you know, John, you know, was sort of looking after that. And for a long time, I thought of her as a guest. So I was treating her like the queen you know like you know like like still I you know when actually she would have been quite happy and she was she she always wants to wash up and actually she's that was one of the things that because I like to sit uh reflect on my meal you know the washing up can wait but it's a family joke that as you're putting the last morsel in your mouth she's grabbing the plate <laughs> off you but it's like relax relax Mark. but um I would really go out with the way I treated her like a guest when I, which was part of the things that was not good for me. You know, I should have yeah. really relaxed about that because that, that was not good for my mental health looking back. And which was, you know, something I wanted to, you know, fess up about because while I was working, I just, I didn't want to come home. Sometimes I just didn't want to drive home because it was so challenging and it was so tough. When I got home, even though John was there, largely holding the fort. Yeah. So how long did that go for? Where you, it was set up for, as John yeah. looking after his mum and you working, yeah. and, and then that changed. Didn't yeah, it? yeah, it did. What prompted the shift over? Well, when she started needing personal care, so for, when she came to live with us, she was walking quite well. Then she started needing a stick. Then she started needing a walking frame. Then she needed a perching chair in the kitchen. Then she needed to start help going to the loo, in the shower and stuff like that. So I assume more of the caring responsibilities, mostly because, you know, Marjorie didn't want her son really helping her with the personal care stuff, mm-hmm. which is understandable. I started taking that on and, and thinking I could do it all, you know, thinking I could be superwoman, which is, please don't anyone think they can be superwoman. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, it took John to say, look, we need some help. We're going to need some help. I said, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, you're right. So we started employing domiciliary care to, at first just in the morning to help her up and then gradually, you know, having to increase the shift. So that really helped. And at some point, John went full-time. Around the same time, I went freelance. So it just flipped over. 
And and so how is Marge doing now? I mean, mm. what what kind of care does she need at the moment, and how have you set it up with the supportive domiciliary care? Mm. Well, you know, it, it's been very gradual until she had a catastrophic fall, which of course is going to be a lot of our a lot of carers' experiences. So for all the precautions, taking up the rugs, one time she did have a fall that broke her shoulder, you oh, know, gosh. really badly. So we had to take her to hospital. She had a long time in hospital, and I think it's that. Hospital is the last place you want an older person to be. If you don't have an advocate, someone with you the whole time, you're not going to drink, you're not going to maybe eat. You know, it's very scary. You're not going to be warm enough, probably. You're not, you're not going to do your physio. So her, I think she did suffer some muscle atrophy. You know, she was there for weeks, so her shoulder fused. Yeah. And it was as she came out, and there's a lesson here for everyone on hospital discharge too, there's, as she came out, you know, the hospital's right, she's ready, out, out you go, kind of, and we were saying, hang on a second, <laughs> so we're not ready, yeah. we're not ready. We need to help us with a care package. Um, social services put in, you know, um, a constantly changing group of people who with the very best intentions, some people with, you know, just awesome people, but only have 15 minutes of time to spend with you just provided that buffer while we organised with a yeah. private company. It was, it was that that suddenly there was like, a step like there's, change. There's a moment. Yeah, there yeah. was a moment. Yeah, there was a step yeah. change when uh, things sort of ramped up a bit. And since then, you know, I've learned to, if this is a tendency with her health or her capability, make the appointment with the OT now, occupational therapist now, because we're going to need some yeah. help. I mean, yeah. Interesting. I mean, I've got a girl crush on my occupational therapist. I thought, Terry, she was amazing. She was, <laughs> when you have a great OT, they're yeah. extraordinary. So, so it sounds like it's changed quite a lot since mm. you began. And then at yeah. some point, you started writing the blog. Yes. I left my corporate role, and I was just taking a little time out to explore what I wanted to do next, uh, reconnecting with old networks, and, uh, yeah, just exploring options. But what I'd been starting to feel, I was getting very frustrated, would be the polite term, <laughs> <laughs> of how challenging it was to find the support you need when you're a working carer. You know, it's really, really hard. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there is support out there, but it's either buried or it's couched in terminology you haven't encountered before. And in many, many different sites. And I just thought, God, this is really lousy. I said, well, you know, I'm learning some stuff here. Building power of attorney, finding the benefits you might be eligible for. Hacks and tips in how to, you know, just try and get some processes in place so you don't have to keep, you're not learning to do things over and over again. So I thought, right, okay, I'm going to start writing this down because even if it helps just one other carer, then that'd be a really good thing. Because I was passionate about making a difference in healthcare and care. And I thought, well, okay, this is a way to start. This is a, a little way I can start in my county because I know about Bucks Healthcare. And as you probably know, James Care is very much post-coded. It's not consistent Ooh, yeah, yeah. across the business. So I thought I can write with authority about Bucks because I've spoken to a lot of people <laughs> in Bucks. But I can also signpost to where other people in other counties, yeah. where you find it. You know, so who is my local authority? You look at the top of your council tax bill, you know, things like that. But one thing I had the time to do when I left corporate was to go to a carers group meeting. Yeah. And I know this is going to be a common reframe. Your other podcasters have talked about this. But, you know, for 
the five years I'd looked after Marge and John had looked after Marge, we'd never thought of ourselves as carers. <laughs> Which <laughs> I laugh, it's just nuts, isn't it? Yeah, we, I mean, we, we can, can recognize that on this I mean, podcast. Talk about why. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, you know, because the image of a carer is who's the comedian? Ronnie Corbett. Yeah. I don't know. I remember a sketch where he was. A middle-aged man living with his mum or something. So I, I had this image of a carer of being a sort of socially isolated person looking after their mum, a little bit sad in a raincoat and that kind of stuff. And I thought, well, I don't identify with that. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm youthful. I'm sexy. I'm rock and roll. I've done all this. I'm doing all this. I'm going to do all this, whatever this is. I just don't identify with that. And and why do I need to go to a carer's group? Because I'm doing it. I'm managing it. And it's fine. But I'm so glad I did. I went to a Carers Bucks meeting and where I met some amazing men and women who were looking after partners and emotional moment and other people and just thought, flipping heck, these people are heroes. Why was I? Why was I so? I don't know. What's the word? Disparaging. I mean, it's just awesome. I was humbled and I made some amazing friends and they helped me so much. Mm-hmm. You know, at face value, I did not expect these people who uh, were a little older than me to help me so much, which was which was a big learning for me. Kick up the ass, big learning. It's like, you know, that was so arrogant. And it was just even just sitting with them and being able to share frustrations in a safe place where one you wouldn't get judged was just so nice. And I still go whenever I can because they're just the most wonderful people. And I'm pleased to say I've been able to help them. They've helped me. Yeah. And we go to garden centers and meet sometimes and have afternoon teas and stuff. And you, you, you can't really be lovely. sitting down with someone else who just, who just gets it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it makes such really a difference. It. And that's when I thought, also, I thought, right, you know, these people are so unappreciated by society, by the, sometimes by their families, uh, when they're, you know, really propping up the health service and care. Because I know it's through the care that carers give that keeps um, yeah. older people out of hospital. I know I've kept Marge out of hospital, but it's a really important, this sort of hidden army of people who do a great job, most of the time keeping it together, <laughs> whatever that looks like, um, and could do with being more supported, yeah, you know, yeah. from time to time. I'm lucky, you know, I, I can work, which is so important for me. You know, Marge has enough of a pension to, you know, I'm, we're really, really privileged, and I'm aware of that. I just think it's shocking that you know, we don't recognize the job they're doing. Before, before we even think about, you know, um, benefits and support and respite yeah, yeah. and all those topics, it's just, you know, being appreciated. I think what, what you're describing there like, tallies really well with what we're trying to do at Mobilize, which is, mm. you know, first up, let's remove some of the silly barriers. Yeah. Like if websites that you can't navigate, right? Let's, so let's yeah. get that information up there mm. straight away. Secondly... Let's make sure it doesn't feel like you're doing this on your own because mm. there's 8 million mm. other people in yeah, the UK. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 8 million is yeah, a huge yeah. number, right? And we all know a lot of stuff about a yeah. lot of stuff. <laughs> well, and, so, and I think that's the third thing. There's, yeah. there's loads of, I mean, I call it wisdom mm. that you pick up because it, it's not just 
information and know-how. It's it's the sort of the subtlety stuff that your doctor isn't trained to give you. The DWP website isn't going to help you with. But someone who's been there before, who's mm. also been really frustrated with that same thing, yeah. um, will have tried a few mm. things out. And if you're if you can talk to other people who are having the same problem, you know you're much much more likely to. To mm. get there, and I, and I guess that's what your mm. blog is doing. Yeah, and, it is. and you told me um, from slightly naughty things that you know no one in <laughs> would ever tell you, would ever advise. Yeah. To yeah, I think how to make things easy, how to make things simple yeah. is if we just did that for carers, that would be a big make help. A big difference. Lots of little things add up. That's my th- you know yeah, my thing. Yeah. Lots of little things. And one of those little things, which has turned into a big thing mm. on your blog, is incontinence. <laughs> Yeah. So this 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 has been. You're really into incontinence. Like, this is <laughs> the third time you've mentioned it. So let's do it. Come on, then. It's not the only thing I know about, but I'm. Uh, but about but it. I, I was really interested <laughs> that you described that. Like there was a really big reaction to your blog post on yes, dealing yeah. with incontinence. Yeah. And I wanted like, what, why do you think it is that that is such an important issue for people? Uh, I think it's again highly emotive, isn't it? It's those steps like selling my car, like. Uh, not being able to go to the loo or make myself a sandwich when I want to having to rely on something I thought I left behind when I was two or three, you know. However, what I've learned, and I think what Marge has learned, is that it, it unlocks you. You know, it's it's more freedom and it's very helpful. And it's if if you need continence products, you just, you know, you've got to have them. Otherwise, the alternative is damaging your furniture yeah. really badly and not smelling very nice. I mean, I've been circling around the topic and thinking, oh, I've got to talk about this for some time. It's in a dementia carers group where someone had posted, look, an elder I'm looking after is now doubly incontinent. I need to prepare. What do I do? How do I prepare? How do I make it as great an experience as I can? And I replied saying, well, this is what I do. This is how I prep our bathroom. And she said, oh, that's really good. And loads of people started talking, you know, so because it isn't, you know, it just caught my eye. It didn't come up. So, okay, I'll get a blog about this. Because actually now, aside from times where Marge has really upset stomach, it's fine. And she, and I can tell she feels that she's okay. She's okay. Is that difficult conversation, it's the first conversation where you have to broach the topic have a look, you know, let's try this. And sometimes, and I think this is true for a lot of things, it was easier for a non-family member to have a conversation with her. So I said to a carer that I knew she particularly was close to in life, could you have the conversation because, you know, we're just, the washing's just getting a bit ridiculous now and it can't be, you know, she can't Mm. be enjoying it either. And that's how we, you know, made the move into continence products. And and thank goodness that you're... You've opened up that conversation because mm. it, I, so I suspect that the, one of the reasons that's a particularly popular blog post is yeah. that that's something that on the whole people don't no. talk about. But actually, no. you can read a web page without yeah. having to kind of no, it'd be uh, sex next. <laughs> well, we can we can all look forward to that. Um, Emma, it's been such a joy. Uh, the, so there's three questions we uh, ask all of our guests. Uh, one is about your favourite moment in caring. And uh, so when you when you look back, what is your favourite moment in caring? I love to make a fuss of birthdays. So every time Marge has a birthday, uh, the whole family gets together and we light fireworks. Oh, wow. 
<laughs> Safe indoor fireworks. Yep. Daughter of a fireman. Glad to hear it. And uh, <laughs> and you know, Marge loves that. We all love that. So yeah. that's a really big day, and she gets a real oh, big lovely. treat. Uh, otherwise, you know, like I kind of said before off mic that. There's not that many highlights in caring, but the best you can do is to make sure that you, you know, that there are milestones you celebrate yeah, and that you yeah. just try and find the joy. You yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah. And speaking of joy, are there any moments that uh, that make you giggle? Well, the two times we laugh is if um, a carer's got a, a shift off or anything and I'm I fill in. So if I'm showering Marge or something, we have a hoot because it's... <laughs> <laughs> Because anyway, I'm not very tidy. <laughs> so I just strip down and get in with her and we, we just lark around. And it's just one woman helping another woman. Yeah, and yeah. it's just really nice. <laughs> and uh, and even if I think, oh, crikey, yeah, I've got to get up. Show my, we always have a really good time. It's not as perfect as the other carers might do it. They'll be wet everywhere and she might be a little <laughs> bit cold and it's all a little bit and I keep forgetting to do things but we have a laugh and she gives me the funniest look but you know, <laughs> we've had a good time together. But the daily thing that we both love is that when I tuck her in at night and adjust her bed so it's uh, good for her, once I've taken hearing aids out, glasses out, telly off, da, 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 I go right in, right into her neck get my arms around her, give her a really close snuggle. I would demonstrate on you, James, but I don't know. <laughs> but I get my, <laughs> I get really up into it and I go crazy, a snuggle like you would your kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really noisy so she can hear me. And <laughs> and she just laughs her head off. I laugh my head off. <laughs> and because I really want, you, know, you, you probably know that people living with dementia can read you through body language, uh, your emotions. So you, I always take my best self yeah. and see. But I want to leave her at night when things, you know, if you're awake, things can be pretty black. So I, I want to leave her feeling. And she's when I pull back, she's <laughs> grinning like a Cheshire cat, thinking again, silly woman. But she, I've left her in a real good. And we, we that always really love that. <laughs> That's my favorite bit, and it's great that. And I think you should have a daily, a daily, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's very powerful. And so, Emma, what, what's next for you guys? What have you got on the horizon? Well, I'm most excited about what what I love is meeting people like you, James, other entrepreneurs in the care and healthcare space who are innovating with carers and the people they're caring for in mind. And I want to be part of the change that I can see their point to bring to, starting to bring to, because I think we can make life a lot easier for all of us and help people live that longer life that we're all getting through medical yeah, advances, yeah. but live live well, if you know what I mean. And yeah. some of that's education and some of that's, you know, just making making care easier to access. Emma, thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate you coming in today. And I'm so sorry that this podcast studio is so in, interminably hot. It is hot. It's okay. We're, we're stripped this, back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> next time we will be coming to you in swimwear, I'm sure. Um, Emma, thanks so much. Really lovely to meet you. You're welcome, James. So, James, you, you met her just through Twitter. I always think it's interesting how people can connect over random tweets. <laughs> well, it is interesting. Um, and yeah, some, somehow we kind of retweeted each other. I was reading the blog and um, Emma is just a really interesting person um, talking about super relevant stuff. So we, we linked up and started the conversation. Mm. I think, again, it, it pulls a bit at that 
so many carers aren't just carers. You know, she's a blogger, she tweets, she has, you know, she talked about all the different aspects of her life in the interview. And actually being a carer is just, you know, one string to her bow. It's Yeah, it, it's, um, there's a big thing about uh, having multiple identities. So although it's really healthy to be able to identify that you have a caring role, there's also a real value in being able to hold on to all the other parts of your life and being a mom and um, in Emma's case, being a, a pretty senior mar marketing whiz and having her professional life and all those different bits, because holding on to them is um, a big part of uh, you know who you are and, and making it possible to carry on. And I really, I think she'll be thankful that you refer to her as a marketing whiz. Uh, <laughs> is that the technical um, role title? Marketing executive. Um, it's probably something more appropriate. Uh, probably, but no, I think I think. I think that's something that you're, you're exactly right. And actually, I think you have to hold on to other aspects of your life. Otherwise, you just go a bit crazy and you can just kind of get engulfed in it so, so much. And I think one of the things I was you know, super impressed with listening to Emma is, is how she managed to maintain those, those little moments which kept her, her sanity. Absolutely. And, you know, I think another big part of it um, goes the other way. So she's really thinking about the way that Marge is thinking about things. So when all these things happen, like um, there's pretty big emotional moments when you can't use your car anymore or whatever it might be that is a totemic mm. um, symbol of your independence moving away, uh, she is thinking... A totemic symbol. What does that's, that mean, that's James? That's a phrase. Totemic. Yeah, to totemic. That means... I've never heard of that thing. <laughs> um, like a totem pole. Yeah. Like, it, it's a big signal of uh, things changing in your life. And she's she's being really careful to make sure that Marge has kind of agency over that. And it feels that this is the situation. And how do you want to deal with this, Marge? Rather than saying, OK, you've got to come and move in with us now. I thought it was a really beautiful imagery. The kind of the, the seeing the car on the driveway is almost the last bastions of freedom that I think uh, or totemic imagery of freedom if that's how you'd use it um, <laughs> I think it's important to to recognize that and actually you know seeing that and recognize that probably made it for both parts of the the caring relationship much easier yeah I'm sure that's true do you think it's different for carers like Emma who have to suddenly inherit responsibility and that there's a big change to people's lives compared to your experience, which I, I suppose you'd never really known anything different, had you? Yeah, no, I think um, that's definitely something that I found really interesting listening to, to Emma talk, where there was you know, very much step changes in the relationship. You know, her mother-in-law moving into the house, for example, being a big, a big change. And I can see how it can make it easier on some, in some ways because it's, it's such a change that you have to adapt and you recognize it's a change where I think some of the difficulties is, is that kind of slow creep of change where suddenly you haven't really noticed anything different at any one moment, but you're in a completely different relationship. Um, you're doing roles that you didn't even realize you were doing. And I think that can be difficult for someone to recognize, you know, going through that, um, that discussion about being a carer, recognizing you're a carer. My, my guess would people who, where there's a big step change, are probably much better at recognizing they have this new role, they are a, a carer for someone, where actually people who there's a slow deterioration or a slow increase in the care that they give, I imagine that's probably, they're probably the people who are much like, more likely not to recognize that they're this additional role. 
And I guess that kind of plays into what Emma was describing about, in the first couple of weeks, struggling not to treat Marge as a guest in the house. Yeah. Um, and kind of rolling out the red carpet. And actually, you know, you live for two now. (laughs) Yeah. And I can imagine it's really like little things like, I'll, I'll, I'm just going to make myself a cup of tea. No, no, let me do it. You know, just those you know, the tiny things like, yeah, oh, let yeah. me go and get you a glass. And actually recognising that, you know, people in the house have to do all of the little bits around the house and she can't just chase after her like a, her personal maid. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing that really resonated with me was when she was talking about seeing some food in her fridge, in her mother's fridge being rotting. And... It just made me laugh because it's something that I recognise that the fridge for my mum is such an amazing indicator of her mental health. I knew you were going to mention this. This is such a big deal for you. I mean, you just always talk about it, and I think it's really interesting. Well, it's because I also love the fridge, and I'm a big foodie, (laughs) so I like to eat. Um, But I I I think it's such an interesting idea that we can see other indicators which can be really significant in understanding someone's... um, mental health and I think you know if I'd go over there and see that there was vegetables and the fridge was well stocked I'd be like okay my mum's my mum's fine at the moment but if it's empty then it's such an indicator that she's probably unwilling to believe in leaving the house she's probably in a bit of a, in a dark place and I think those little moments of indicators I think are super interesting and only you only really recognize them when you are in a carer and you're in that in that environment. You've just made me think actually that uh, we've spoken about uh, the the fridge thing as a really interesting proxy before, but w- what you just described made me think that as a carer, you're adding a particular bit of value because you know that person. So if, for whatever reason, somebody came in and was doing an assessment on my fridge, they might think that I had some serious life challenges <laughs> on the basis <laughs> of <laughs> what is happening in that fridge. Um, but actually, anybody who... Is it like pita, pita bread and hummus? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, fr- pita bread and hummus that, that went off two years ago, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the important thing is that if you know me, then you'll probably know that that's, that's a kind of pretty normal situation. So there's a really interesting um, piece of uh, value that only a carer um, and like a family member or a close friend mm. can bring to actually understanding what's going on with that piece of information. Yeah, and I think that's why they, they should do um, and, and need to play such an important role in that, I think what they call the triangle of care, is working with the loved one, the health professional, but also the, the carer, because there's all of those things which maybe to someone externally just seem, oh yeah, that seems okay, that seems normal, but the carer can really identify, no, no, that actually is something that we should you know, raise a concern over or that. And, and it's that intricacy, like you said, that of really knowing someone. I think the listeners might think, James, that we get um, some kind of commission from the carer centers because almost everyone we interview says how much power they found or how much solace they found in, in carers groups. Mm. Well, and clearly that, that was a, a, a bit of an emotional moment for Emma there. And she's, she's found it a really helpful community of people to learn from and you know identify that they're going through the same thing and that, and that she's not alone in some of those challenges. Yeah. And I think everyone we speak to kind of has said that it was quite pivotal moments speaking to people who made them feel less isolated, you know, that they weren't going through yeah. this. And I think it's such to, to, break, to break down some of that isolation that, and, and loneliness carers feels has to be one of our biggest challenges. And actually, hopefully, this is what this podcast does, you know, to a certain extent. 
it links into the the bit of research that we mentioned at the uh, at the top of the episode that was sponsored by the Wellcome Trust, um, trying to learn as much as we can from what carer centres are doing mm. in an offline world, face to face, and looking at what Mobilize can do to to bring that uh, in place in a digital sense and make it even more accessible to people who can't necessarily uh, get to a carer centre physically. And talking about that, James, how how can our listeners get in contact with us? What should they be doing? Oh, nice little segue in there. So um, we're really yeah, keen. Like <laughs> we're really keen to make this um, as interactive as possible. So um, please do join our Facebook group, which is called Who Cares Wins. There's a great bit of chat going on at the moment, not only about incontinence, but about all the different stories that people have in the community. And of course, uh, we're on Twitter as WCW Podcast. Um, so please do check us out. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, and I think it's really important that we, you know, part of why we're doing this is to build that sense of community. And we want this to be something that people can really engage with and, and get in contact to us. So, yeah, please do reach out. It'd be, uh, it'd be great to hear from as many as you as possible. Smashing. Well, that sounds like a wrap for this episode, Cairo. Thank you very much for your time. Enjoy the rest of your day in a very, very hot Dubai. And we'll chat next time. See you later, everyone. Bye.